Welcome to a special review recap episode of Broadway Radio. My name is Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, we are diving into the glorious reviews for the first ever Broadway revival of Alfred Urey and Jason Robert Brown's musical, Parade. The show officially opened up on Thursday, March 16th at the Bernard B. Jacobs Theater. And as we expected, since the show was just reviewed in the fall, when it was the gala performance for New York City Center, it got nearly rave reviews. We'll talk about those here in a second. But if you are new to review recap episodes here on Broadway Radio, if you are hearing this in Patreon, that means it is a standalone episode since it's coming out after we already released today on Broadway in that platform. But if you are hearing this in the regular podcast feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, March 17th. This is coming out a little later on Patreon than I would have liked, but the Grey Lady, the New York Times, didn't release its review till I believe a little bit around quarter after 10 on Thursday night. Because of that, we do not yet have Did They Like It's roundup of all of the different reviews. So if that gets released before I finish up the show notes, I will include that. If not, we will just have all of the recaps available in the Broadway World Review Roundup as well. But as you know by now, this show reunites a majority of the cast that did the show at City Center last fall. It is directed by Michael Arden and is led by Ben Platt as Leo Frank and Michaela Diamond as Lucille Frank. Also in the cast are Kelly Barrett, Courtney Carter, Eddie Cooper, Aaron Rose Doyle, Manuel Falciano, Jay Armstrong Johnson, Sean Allen Krill, Douglas Lyons, Howard McGillan, Paul Alexander Nolan, Jake Peterson, Stacey Bono, and more. It really is a who's who of absolutely incredible talent in this cast, and the reviews show it. Currently, the show is scheduled to run through August 6th if these reviews lead to the type of sales that I think they probably deserve. And if the Tony Award voters respond as well as the critics did, I think this one could extend a bit longer, uh, but we will have to wait and see there. Let's start off first with the New York Times review that came out. It says 10 p.m., but I didn't see it until like a quarter after. But either way, Jesse Green, of course, made the show a critic's pick. He said, quote, you do not expect the star of a musical about a man lynched by an anti-Semitic mob to be his wife, especially when that man, Leo Frank, who was murdered in Georgia in 1915, is played with his usual intensity and vocal drama by Ben Platt. Yet in the riveting Broadway revival of the musical Parade that opened on Thursday at the Bernard B. Jacobs Theater, it's Michaela Diamond as Lucille Frank you watch most closely and who breaks your heart. With no affectation whatsoever and a voice directly wired to her emotions, she makes Lucille our way into a story we might rather turn away from. True, this alters the balance of the show as originally staged by Harold Prince in 1998, further tipping it toward the marriage instead of the miscarriage of justice. Also toward the rapturous score by Jason Robert Brown, which won a Tony Award in 1999. But since the legal procedural was never the best part or even the point of Parade, the enhanced emphasis on a love story tested by tragedy and set to song is a big net gain. He continues, What struck me even more vividly in this well-judged and timely revival is the quick path hysteria has always burned through the American spirit, if fanned by media, politicians, and prejudice of any kind. When a chorus of white Georgians chant, hang him, hang him, make him pay, the words can't help but echo uncomfortably in the post-January 6th air. And another song, A Prayer for a Return of the Day When the Southland Was Free, sounds a lot like current talk of a second succession. 
Moving on to look at the review from uh, Adam Feldman at Time Out New York, who gave it a rare five out of five stars. Director Michael Arden's heart-piercing new production makes a masterful case for giving the show a new hearing. In what you hear at this parade, as sung by a splendid cast led by Ben Platt and Michaela Diamond, will echo for a long time to come. Arden's staging keeps the real-life basis of the story in continual sight as literal background. Stately projections by Sven Ortel, blown up behind the bare wall behind Dane Laffery's plain wooden set, annotate the action with captions and historical photographs. Yet Parade doesn't feel like a musical lecture. At its center is, of all things, a romance, the blossoming love and hostile soil between Leo and his neglected wife Lucille. Platt is perfectly cast as Leo. As in his breakthrough star turn in Dear Evan Hansen, he imbues a socially incompetent character with awkward humor and vulnerability. His gorgeous voice vibrates with intrinsic emotionality. And Diamond, with supple vocal strength, proves an ideal match for him as Lucille grows into the role of Leo's Steel Magnolia champion. By the time they reach their Act 2 duet, This Is Not Over Yet, one of several standouts in Brown's varied and stirring score, it is not hard to get swept up in their youthful hope even as history breathes down their necks. The one not rave positive review that I've seen so far comes from Charles Isherwood of the Wall Street Journal. His was not negative, it was probably mixed. He says, quote, even a first-rate parade cannot disguise the conceptual problems I have with the show. It is puzzling that Mr. Brown, a gifted melodist, seems to give just as many moments of musical beauty or buoyant vigor to Leo's enemies as to Leo himself as if music and character are unconnected. The show opens with a Confederate soldier going off to war, paying pretty homage to the old red hills of home. More problematic is the focus on the glaringly corrupt mechanics of Leo's trial. We watch numbly as witness after witness spreads obvious lie, including scurrilous tales of Leo's sex life. His martyrdom at the hands of iniquitous tormentors resounds like a recurring, subtle dirge. Parade does, in a sense, resemble the event of its title. The route is mapped out, we know where it will lead, and how it will end. I think this is always interesting because when you're talking about a revival, especially one that is fairly well known like Parade is, to me, it's unnecessary to focus so much of your review on the material itself. Obviously, you have to mention it, especially focusing on anything that has changed significantly since previous or even the original production. But the show's the show. That's not going to change, at least not substantially, and in terms of you know the songs that Brown wrote for the score. So to me, spending a lot of time and bemoaning the fact that the show is not what you want it to be doesn't make a whole lot of sense ever for a critic, in my opinion, but certainly not in a revival. So while I understand Isherwood's points, his issues seem to be more for a review from the 1998 production rather than the 2023 one. Robert Hoffler of The Rap wrote, quote, A couple of the villains in the piece might be overdrawn here, but that's debatable. Otherwise, Arden's direction of this cast is exemplary. An especially poignant touch is the projection of historical photos that function to introduce their actor doppelgangers. Above all, the fluid and often surreal staging of the Frank murder trial is an extended moment of brilliance in the theater that no musical aficionado should miss. Greg Evans of Deadline said, quote, With a cast as fine as it is large, led by Ben Platt and Michaela Diamond, two of the best singers currently on Broadway, Parade, set in 1913 Georgia, scores its topical points with all the artistry and theatrical know-how to meet and exceed its noble intentions. Parade is as commanding as any musical revival to hit Broadway in years. 
We'll finish up the reviews with the one from Entertainment Weekly written by Emmalyn Travis, who gave the show an A, which seems good. Of Platt, she says, quote, Platt gives a constrained yet compelling performance as Leo, a man who is not only literally fighting for his life, but also to preserve his own dignity. Despite his inward nature, Platt still finds moments within Yuri's script to dazzle and delight. He easily summons laughs from the audience with his snappy, dry wit, and his complete transformation into a fictionalized, lecherous, toe-tapping tempter recounted during witness testimonies is seriously sinister. But it's during Leo's devastating statement on the witness stand, it's hard to speak my heart, that the actor truly shines. His earnest lifting vocals, which pour out of him like water, are laced with a heartbreaking mixture of fear and sincerity that allows an extra level of insight into the mind of a man desperately attempting to control what little he can as greater forces plot against him. Diamond's Lucille is the perfect foil to her reserved husband and truly the heart of Parade. The 23-year-old actress brings a warmth to the role as she expertly shifts gears from an unfulfilled passive housewife into a fiery, emboldened fighter that is able to get Governor Slayton to review and later commute Leo's death sentence. The loyalty, passion, and optimism that Diamond imbues within the character acts as a balm for both Leo and audience alike during the couple's darkest moments. Her searing performance of You Do Not Know This Man is pure magic. Now, if you've been listening ever since I saw this show at City Center, I think Vicki Clark has some real competition for the Best Actress in a Musical Tony Award. In fact, if you were asking me, as great as I thought Clark was in Kimberly Akimbo, this is Michaela Diamond's award for me. Um, I, I have not seen Kimberly Akimbo on Broadway. I saw it at the Atlantic, and I did not see Parade on Broadway either. But what Michaela Diamond is doing in this show is a generational performance, in my opinion. And while I think Vicki Clark being able to, at her age, be able to believably play a 16-year-old is remarkable. She does it with every part of her body and her voice and everything about her, and it's fantastic. But this Lucille is, is special. And if, if I had a vote based not on the Broadway productions, but the things I saw off Broadway, I would give it to Michaela Diamond. But I certainly think either way that those two will be the ones to beat in this category come June. If you want to read more of these reviews and others, as I said, I will have the review roundup from Broadway World in the show notes. And if the Did They Like It roundup publishes before I post this episode of Patreon, I will include that as well. All right, that is all that we've got. Have a wonderful Friday, a wonderful weekend. And if you're listening to this in the regular feed, I will send you over to Grace and Ashley for the rest of today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, March 17th, 2023. I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm just really happy to be on the show today. <laughs> Arts and culture writer, Ashley Steves. Ashley Steves and I are having once again a chaotic day. It's chaotic. Yeah, it's very busy. We had a very busy day on Thursday. And really considering did. everybody on Earth texted me on Thursday. Yeah. I'm sure you know why. I also, you know, I feel bad because I we also had some our text with me yeah, or James. Good, good lord. I also feel bad because we also had really crappy news on Thursday. Yes. So I feel bad starting out all giddy. But, you know, we'll get it to that. But, well, let's start with the good news first, I guess. 
as you all know, we are uh, recording this ahead of Friday, famously. Um, and that also means that tonight is Thursday night, which means it's parades opening night. So yes. if you are listening in the Patreon feed, you aren't getting that yet. You aren't getting that review recap from that. But if you're listening on our normal feed, then you've already heard it. So forget everything that I'm saying. So uh, starting with some good news is that we're finally getting that Stephen Sondheim show that we've all been talking about with a book by David Ives. The musical is based on the films by Luis Buñuel, is now entitled, you know, we knew this to be square one. We had had it kind of like rumored around. Then there was a little bit of a Nathan Lane, no, uh, you know, like nod on late nights. Now we're calling it yeah. Here We Are, and it's finally coming off Broadway. So it's something that we didn't expect to have off Broadway in 2023, but now we are with Tony winner Joe Mantello, who... Thanks for coming. I would do anything for Truly. Um, directing. He's, this is the second show he's directing of the year, by the way. Yeah, busy. With busy, Ray busy. House. This is insane. Uh, but it's going to be uh, for a quick off-Broadway limited engagement at the Sheds Griffin Theater starting in September. Dates are TBD. Uh, book by David Ives, like we've said, this is this the last, obviously, Stephen Sondheim musical that will get a full production. Yeah. Otherwise, they're just going to harvest old catalogs and whatnot the way we all do, which I'm kind of hopeful that maybe his estate is not allowing. But uh, yeah, this was formally titled, titled Square One. We all saw the Twitter post about Square One coming. Oh, my that God. That was fake. Yeah. Uh, and now we're actually getting it in a <laughs> thrill. Burnt. So how do you feel? <sighs> <laughs> Never in my life would I think I would have a membership to the shed, but here we are. Yeah, um, here we are. What an absolutely wonderful surprise. I am fizzing with excitement and emotional whiplash on Thursday morning. We'll get to that in the next story, but I was in the middle of sending uh, work messages and emails and reading the news from the first major story that we had of the day. And then I get a text from our beloved and friend of the pod, Robbie Rozelle, at 10.59 a.m. <laughs> telling me to buckle up for some upcoming news. And it's funny because one minute later, the first press release I got was about Moulin Rouge <laughs> doing a sing-along performance. So I was like, well, that's not it. And then two seconds later, the Sondheim news came in. So it was so beyond my radar, which is how you know that they did a good job keeping things hush hush because i am nosy yeah. uh, i don't trust anything related to it since as you said that social media nonsense prank that happened however long ago that was i am obviously very excited i don't think it has really hit me yet other than i had a really <laughs> i had a very short burst of tears this morning uh which Aww. shout out and apologies to my door dasher this morning as i opened the doors <laughs> door in tears i promised the food was good i was just overwhelmed <laughs> But it's such a pleasant surprise. It's fascinating. We have very little indication of what the show looks like or sounds like, other than like four lines of lyrics that were published in, I think, The Telegraph right mm -hmm. after his death. Um, it obviously had at least one workshop, um, some rewrites after that, but it was such a long slog to get to this point. Um but I assume this was at least somewhat put into his place prior to his death, that it was at least in enough of a state to produce it in some form. And then obviously now his husband and the estate are in charge and obviously David Ives are in charge of getting it up and running. Mm -hmm. I'm very fascinated by the choice of the venue and I'm sure we'll get more information on that yeah. soon. The Shed, which is 
pretty unanimously not liked, let's say. It's off the beaten path. It seats about yeah. 500 people, um, and it's pretty bare bones. But I will say I imagine that would work really well for this material when they did the exterminate, exterminate, eh, Exterminating Angel at the Met, which was now several years ago at this point. That was essentially a set of negative space. Uh, and that kind of serves Buniel's work really well, especially if you're starting with the discrete charm and ending with Exterminating Angel because you're stuck in right. this space that yeah. could very easy easily swallow you. So all that to say, <laughs> I don't know how that's going to affect casting, obviously. It's the premier production of Stephen Sondheim's final musical in New York City. Everybody's clearly getting paid on this. It could be literally anybody, and I hope it is. We had Nathan, and you mentioned that, um, talking about it on The Late Show. and well, Bernadette and the Service. And Michael Cerverus and Bernadette was doing the workshops. Bernadette's now going to be mm-hmm. doing Old Friends in London. So I don't right. think that's a, a lock anymore. Nathan right. currently in pictures from home, of course, but that closes at the end of April. Um, exciting to see either way, though. Everyone's going to want to be in it or see it or work for it. I'm certainly two of those three. It's going to be maybe the hardest ticket to get in the city. And... To have that going on, this final new musical, original musical from Stephen Sondheim going on at the same time that Merrily is on Broadway. Oh, man, oh, man, what a time. So uh, coming from such a high of Sondheim news, leading into some very unfortunate, I don't even want to call it a closing notice, but some yeah. a postponement that is unfortunately really um it's just it had to happen and uh we're gonna get into that now so thank you to everyone that just listened and and uh, was excited about the sondheim news now i'm gonna bring you back down yeah and let's break <laughs> your heart now cool yeah if you all know you know we've been talking about emma donahue's room coming to broadway the the video on the marquee was really stunning i walked by it yesterday literally and posted it on my instagram being like i'm so excited to work on this um that unfortunately is no longer happening at the James Earl Jones Theater and will be postponed indefinitely. It was begin. It was it was scheduled to begin performances on April third. Um, Adrian Warren's return to Broadway was something that was nothing yeah. thrilling for all of us. Um, this adaptation was uh, has you know gone through London and then uh, Toronto production, and they just had their first rehearsal yeah. last week, and everybody was gathered and. With uh, Catherine's uh, incredible music, this was set to be a really intriguing uh, variation of that book and film title. Same author. Um, but this has been really, really, really upsetting <laughs> to go through mm. today. Um, yeah. So there's no tea. There's no insight um, I'm giving besides uh, the fact that we would have loved to have seen this the production happen. Of course, they said it was postponed indefinitely, but that doesn't mean killed forever. So totally. Um, yeah, no, no idea what could happen from here, but definitely feeling for everybody who was involved in that production that was excited to Absolutely. see it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to go from the most exciting news on earth to something so awful, yeah. which was kind of the reverse of what happened today, where this was the first news we got of the day. I feel bad for everybody. That's really the foundation of everything. And, uh, you know, equally so because, yeah, everyone was reacting to this on Thursday morning and then we had the Here We Are news hit and it got lost in the wave. How disappointing, how heartbreaking for everybody working on this. Um, I was really getting excited for this one, excited for this beautiful cast. I've been reading the yeah. book as I get deeper into it. I've been excited for what it 
could look like and would look like on stage, um, the possibilities that I knew that they could pull out of that language and not even knowing what it looked like in previous, uh, productions up until this point like you said they're in rehearsals they're the press date was on the calendar and everything like that's how late this is coming and it's from a producer a major producer dropping out at the very last minute to have it happen so suddenly is shocking and devastating I, I agree with you i do think we'll see it at some point i can't imagine this is the end of its life when it's a production of this scale and then a house and rehearsals with the tickets sold and the invites out and the marquee up and the ads running and with that cast it, it i can't imagine that we don't see it in the next season or two but that of course doesn't make this any less awful um, moving on to some uh, crazy casting news. What's interesting is that I was just at the Minetta Lane Theater. Um, I love going to see and any and all tonight. Audible productions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Um, well, you might be back because Titus Burgess and Jane Krakowski are set to star in Center of the Universe. Universe as in Y-O-U-Niverse, um, which is very their brand, I feel like, through yeah, like totally. Kimmy Schmidt, 30 Rock. I mean, that's that's definitely their MO is <laughs> their own universe um, that they'll per- perform together in this upcoming show Thursday, June 15th through Saturday, June 17th. So that is two whole days to see them on stage at Audible's Vanetta Lane Theater. Um, again, that's a great West Village spot. So if you've not already yeah. like been on their like email list, you definitely need to because little things like this happen all the time where they'll have like a full production. The one that Ashley and I, um, Ashley is saying tonight, uh, Drinking in America. Drinking in America, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eric Bogosian's uh, newest, or not mm-hmm. newest, but like no. latest um, yeah. revival, I guess, in New York, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got, uh, but then there are random, like Chris Gethard's show is going to be for two nights. And then you've got this Jane Krakowski, Titus Burgess show for two nights. And you never know what's going to happen, but it's directed by a uh, Tony Award winner and one of my favorite choreographers of all time, Chris Gatelli, is directing. So that's kind of mm-hmm. uh, a new, a new uh, thread to this one as well. So definitely check it out. I mean, if you can get tickets, I'm sure it's already sold out. I was going <laughs> to say, well, God. Actually, Maybe. <laughs> um, the tickets will actually go on sale to the public beginning yeah. Thursday, April 13th at noon. And they will quickly sell out. So It's already gone still, calendar. though, regardless. Already yeah. done. <laughs> get exactly. in there. And then some more casting news. I'm really excited about this because, as you all know, if you set your DVRs correctly, you do know that Ted Lasso just premiered this week with their season three. Oh, yeah. I already watched it. Have you watched it. already? Of course, yes. Oh, of course. On it. Yeah, as soon as yeah. I got home the other night from Wolf Play, that was the first thing I watched. And what a what a change of pace, I will say. Wow, that is um, that's a that's a whole day. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if you if you know him, you love him from Ted Lasso, Tohib uh, Jimmo, uh, who plays um, Richmond's like uh, goalie kind of. Sam. No, he's not a goalie. Sam. Sam. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, he has. He has scored some goals, if you know what I mean, if you watch the show. Yeah. Um, but he will now play opposite um, Isis Hainsworth in Romeo and Juliet in London this summer. So if you are a fan of director Rebecca Frecknell's work, you're definitely going to want to go to the Almeida Theater uh, it, this past or this year. So, I mean, Love that's, it. that's a cast. It's a cast. It's very exciting. You know you're going to get people in who love Ted Lasso to see it, whether they give a crap about Romeo and Juliet or not, which I personally do not, but I would absolutely see this for that cast. He's a good actor. 
he's like that's the thing you can good. tell like he's fantastic yeah. on the show the and full, ever since, the like, full range yeah the full mm-hmm. range of emotions and skill that you get to see on ted lasso which you normally wouldn't expect until you start digging in deep to that show on the surface not so much but so good so so good over at steppenwolf theater company they will continue their 47th season with kate Arrington's unconventional love story, Another Marriage. Um, that include this is also um Terry Kenny, like Arlington's kind of like playwriting debut in this moment, and it will play June 15th through July 23rd. Um, Another Marriage stars a pretty stuck cast again. Ian Barford, um, of you you remember from the minutes, um, Caroline Neff, Judy Greer. That's right, you heard this correctly. Oh Judy yeah. Greer. And Nicole Skameka, um, who is having uh, their uh, Steppenwolf debut. But I'm just saying Judy Dam Greer. You love Judy Greer. What am Judy I supposed Greer. to do in this world? <laughs> it's really, Judy Greer should be in everything. And it's personally offensive that she isn't. But it, that is the world premiere of Another Marriage. So if you have been excited to see. I mean, Steppenwolf does not miss. I've never heard of them missing. Um, speaking of something that never misses God of Carnage I'm obsessed with God of Carnage it's one of those plays that I will see whoever wants to do it and thankfully this is the right cast to do it we've got a really star-studded cast coming off Broadway for God of Carnage David Burka, Carrie Cox Gabe Fazio and Christiane Knoll Christiane Knoll who good. I mean, needed a little bit of a rest after Dear Evan Hansen she had oh, to like yeah. chill out for a moment because she's so fantastic that she was like now i'm gonna jump back into this incredible play so i'm I'm really thrilled that this is happening it's starting april 18th pretty damn soon at theater row with an opening night set for april 27th so the phantom of the opera who is famously reportedly still closing um will offer a charity <laughs> performance uh before they take their final bow uh they finally they end the show which is i forgot how soon this is april 16th they will now offer a charity performance on April 14th. Um, this is really exciting. I know whenever a show is able to do so, it is not lost on me how difficult those performances are to conjure up. So um, they're going to benefit four New York City arts organizations that build, support, and foster future diverse audiences and artists. So thank you for that uh, team at the Phantom of the Opera. That is no small feat. So thank you for that. Speaking of some more performances that are a little bit out of the box, Moulin Rouge is now going to offer a sing-along performance. I got a, a press release about this today. As I, I mentioned, like, wait, a second, wait a second. As I mentioned <laughs> earlier in the show, it was the one I got two seconds before the Sondheim news. It was very Listen, startling. if you're a Leo and you like to sing and you are also me, August 30th at 7 p.m. at the Al Hirschfeld Theater one of is going to be a things. night. Yeah. Yes, you're going to want to be there. Aquarius and not you, sorry. And finally, we have um, a few great videos featuring um, some of Broadway Backwards' great uh, performances from the other night. Robbie Fairchild uh, doing My Heart Belongs to Daddy. Great video here. You've got some more highlights from Dear World that I know Matt is going to speak to Dear World reviews and whatnot with you coming up. Yeah, we'll talk about them on Monday. Yeah, you've got got some really great stuff happening. And and, uh, I don't know anybody that doesn't love donna murphy so obviously this is, this is the queen of the world and then one of my queens of the world caroline interbickler performing walls from shucked for playbill um they're doing kind of like a little a spotlight on them the cadillac spotlights and she's just such a star and the song is so beautiful and so um, excited <laughs> next thursday i'll be at shucked i Ooh. believe very excited oh wait maybe same maybe same. Ooh, hello that'd be a big old party 
Listen, <laughs> I'll see Shaft every damn day. It's 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 such a joy, and I love seeing um, people make their Broadway debuts, especially um, Shane and um, now I'm blanking on the other apologies um, composer, uh, Brandy and Shane, uh, because their their music really is so lovely. So if you have been enjoying what's been going on there, definitely head over and watch that little video because Caroline's fantastic. And on that note, thank you all so much for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio and um, our Patreon. That is literally how we're able to do the show every day. So thank you all again for being a part of that if you are. And if you aren't, this is a great time to join. Patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. You can find me on all forms of social media for the time being at It's Great Zaki. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Know This Is Ashley. Thank you all so much. We will see you later. Bye.